Good Friday afternoon. This is Alicia Bales live in the studio. It's Friday, which means we're bringing you the county's latest coronavirus news and update. Today, uh, we will be speaking live with Dr. Andy Corrin, Mendocino County's public health officer, and Kirk Ford, who is the assistant manager of the Department Operations Center. I hope I have both of those intros right for you, gentlemen, and I'm going to pass it over to you. Dr. Corrin, what's the latest with Mendocino County's pandemic response? Are we done yet? Yeah, but you know, before I get into that, I just wanted to say something a little bit different today. I wanted to start by mentioning that Juneteenth just became a federal holiday. It's commemorating June 19, 1865, when Texas slaves and some other states were finally emancipated. Two and a half years after Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation for all of the United States of America. So this is a reminder of how powerful institutional racism has been throughout our country's history. We still have a long way to go, but tomorrow we remember. Indeed. Indeed. And we know that institutional racism is a public health threat. So there is a nexus there with with what you do every day in your job as well. And remembering Juneteenth and the experience of enslaved people, I think, is a very important step toward bringing about justice in our country it's been very important for sure during the covid epidemic which just emphasized the disparities between uh races and people of all types so it is important to remember that and remember how deeply it goes throughout our country's history so i'll move on to the update the covid update Worldwide, COVID is decreasing, but continues to surge in some areas, namely Mexico, Brazil, Colombia, Russia, and the United Kingdom. The United States of America cases are now 33,501,656, and the deaths have surpassed 600,700, though they are decreasing in their frequency. Hotspots now are all in low vaccination areas, in Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, the Midwest, and the Southeast. In California, the daily cases and test positivity, hospitalizations, and deaths are also the lowest in a year. The total cases now number 3,699,455, and um, the deaths are 62,565 with a test positivity of 0.7%. But in Northern California region, we have significantly higher case rates. In Mendocino, we've had an, um, an average case of over five every uh, day, uh, five per 100,000. And um, just to put that in perspective, that's an average. Yesterday, we saw 11 new cases. Right. We had Our a double-digit case number yesterday. It was quite scary. Yeah. Yeah. And the test positivity is now running 5%. These numbers, these cases are concentrated in Ukiah, Redwood Valley, Potter Valley, and Willits, uh, where we also have the lowest numbers of vaccines. And nearly all of these people have been unvaccinated. So the vaccines work. The CDPH just released data showing from February to June, cases, hospitalizations, and deaths statewide are over 80% lower in those people who are vaccinated 
compared to the unvaccinated groups. COVID over uh, after vaccination in Mendocino County is six out of 10,000 people and none were severely ill or uh, died. In, uh, in Mendocino now, there are three people in the hospital, two on med surge, one in the intensive care unit. Our deaths have been stable at 50. Total cases are 4,306, of whom the Latino community has suffered 2,069. Currently, there are no outbreaks, but there are two types of community spread that I want to highlight. Uh, One is high-risk exposures due to unvaccinated people with symptoms going to work, especially in sales and service work. Business owners have been very cooperative, but little can be done to stop this spread outside of notifying those who are exposed. Um, On the other hand, prevention requires staying home and testing with any symptoms. All symptoms should be considered COVID. Another type of spread we've seen more of this week is someone bringing the infection home to numerous members of the household, all of whom are unvaccinated. We know that on average, one of every 10 with COVID may need hospital care, and of these, one of every 10 will pass away due to the disease. Prevention here means vaccinate for yourself and your loved ones. Vaccination means almost zero chance of infection, three per 10,000 statewide, and no need to quarantine. This is why we ask people uh, to cooperate with their contact investigation and contact tracing team, which helps us control the spread and to assist people who may need food or housing during their time in isolation or quarantine. The race is between those vaccinations, which we'll get to how we're doing in a minute, and these variants. So we do know we have variants in Mendocino County. The Alpha variant, which is the new name for the UK variant, uh, that is 50% more transmissible. And the Gamma variant, which is the new name for the Brazil variant, um, is also uh, more transmissible and maybe more aggressive. We have not had the Delta or the Indian variant yet. This variant has been spreading much faster than the Alpha, and is doubling in California every two weeks. CDPH is gearing up to do sequence testing on all PCR tests now. We need more unvaccinated people to test. That will be very helpful in terms of understanding where this pandemic is going locally. But all of these variants are responsive to vaccines. So this race is a race between can we get vaccinated enough to control the spread and the development of new vaccine, of new variants. So let's move on to vaccines. We have the supply now and everybody over 12 years old are eligible. The county is offering vaccine events at two to three per day all around the county with pop-up sites and with our traveling teams that will go anywhere where you are if you, if you need to be vaccinated. We have walk-ins accepted. We offer a choice of vaccines each time. And for those who want to travel or who have trouble taking off two times from work, don't forget the Johnson Johnson vaccine, which is a one and done vaccine. We have 11 clinics already scheduled for the coming week just from the county. And of course our uh, clinic partners also have their clinics. To check out the county websites, uh, call the county to arrange it. 
That is at 707-472-2633 or NCO 707-467-3239 or call my turn 833-422-4255. And remember, if you're just in the neighborhood and you know there's a clinic going on, we're taking walk-ins. We want to get it into everybody who's there. And we understand that sometimes you just can't plan ahead that much. Come in and, uh, and get your vaccine. The primary pediatric and family and internal medicine providers are beginning to distribute the vaccines to their clinics. Um, remember that COVID vaccines can be given at the same time as any other childhood or adult vaccine. So if they're needed for school or camp, you can do it all together. We hope to have vaccines approved for under 12-year-olds sometimes this summer. Um, so call your clinics to arrange these vaccines. Also, most pharmacies now carry these vaccines, and those uh, can be scheduled at convenient times as well. We have incentives. Uh, you know, the state's uh, incentive program offers $50 for people who complete their vaccine series. There is a new California uh, um, raffle for a dream California vacation with $2,000 uh, expenses for six winners that's being offered. Six Flags is offering 50,000 uh, tickets as well for people who get their vaccines. And, it, and there are more coming all the time. So look for that from California. And here we try and offer some local incentives. <clears throat> Community education is always a big part of prevention, and the county now has billboards up in addition to social media and recently 10 new PSAs, including the musical PSA, which were released with funding from the county's Committee on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Uh, and we continue to um, address concerns regarding safety and efficacy with scientific evidence, uh, with, with scientific information based on the evidence. So now moving on to the distribution. As of Monday, uh, in Mendocino County, we've distributed 85,514 doses. That represents 65.2% of our population over 12 years old who are eligible have had at least one vaccine. 55.6% of our population over 12 years old is fully vaccinated. From an equity perspective, 58% of our lowest resource or quartile one populations are at least partially vaccinated. And in quartile two, 63%. This all compares very favorably to all the other counties in California. And our Hispanic population is 50.2% partially vaccinated uh, compared to 61% of the Caucasian members of our community. So we have a ways to go with the Hispanic, but the, uh, but there is uh, increasing uh, uptake among the Hispanic population. Among the age groups, the youngest who have now just started getting their vaccines are already 31%, uh, at least partially vaccinated, and that's rapidly increasing. The 18 to 49-year-olds, sort of working age people, are still going slowly. They're at 54.9%. Uh, perhaps they feel invincible, just putting it off, or can't get away from work. Um, but now's the time to do it. Most concerning are those over 50 years old, both the 50 to 65-year age group 
and the 65 plus are stuck at around 75, 76% at least partially vaccinated. And these are the most vulnerable people who have plateaued. So if you're in that group, please get vaccinated. If you know somebody in that group, please get them vaccinated. We don't want them to wind up terribly ill and in the hospital. As you know, the tears have gone away with the Beyond the Blueprint. Um, so the sweeping state directives for industry have fallen by the wayside. The responsibility is now on individuals and businesses to protect ourselves and our community, uh, doing uh, making low-risk choices. Last week, I reviewed the California Department of Public Health guidance uh, for everyone, but it did not apply to those people who were employed. Cal OSHA has jurisdiction over employers and their relationship with employees. And the good news is that <clears throat> last night they voted to align their regulations with CDPH. So I'm going to review those now uh, briefly. And, and that includes it outside no masks will be required unless there's an outbreak. Indoors, no masks will be required for fully vaccinated individuals, again, unless there's an outbreak, except also healthcare facilities, K through 12 schools and childcare. Unvaccinated um, will have to wear masks unless they're working alone in an office. Employers must have masks available for unvaccinated and vaccinated people who desire to wear a mask. There are no uh, distance requirements between workers unless there are other hazards. And this includes employer-provided uh, transportation or employer-provided housing. There's no quarantine for people who are fully vaccinated and close contacts to somebody who's had uh, a positive test. Uh, the uh, disinfection rules and sharing prohibitions have been dropped. Testing must be available, but it can be referred to one of our local testing sites. Ventilation uh, should continue to be emphasized as uh, part of the standards. And any uh, WHO-approved vaccine series is also acceptable now within the business world. So in summary, I'm just going to summarize and we can get to uh, some questions. We in Mendocino have been seeing a high rate of transmission for about six weeks with more hospitalizations, intensive care units, uh, hospitalizations, and deaths. There's upcoming Father's Day, July 4th, and a summer of gatherings and traveling, plus an increase of variants that will be a major test of our preparedness. So we're in a race of the vaccines against the variants, and there's some very bad variants on the horizon. We must prevent the spread by vaccinating and also non-medical activities, including masking indoors if you're not vaccinated. And if symptoms don't travel, don't socialize in, in uh, uh, gatherings, and don't go to work. The county continues our contact investigation tracing and using isolation for all who test positive, and quarantine is only necessary for the unvaccinated who have been in close contact with the case. We are working uh, 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 now meeting regularly with the hospital and clinic partners so we can be 
fully prepared if there is a larger surge on the end of the summer, beginning of the fall. So for now, vaccinate as soon as possible. And if you're vaccinated, enjoy the summer with other vaccinated people. And with that, I'll close and let's let's have some questions. All right. Thank you for that. Um, do we want to first ask Kirk Ford, who's the assistant manager of the Department Operations Center? Do you have anything you'd like to add to that uh, initial presentation, Kirk, since we've got you? Uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, thank you. Um, no, nothing to add. Uh, just just a reminder for anybody who's looking to get vaccinated to go to our website at mendocinocounty.org slash COVID-19. Click on the blue banner that says vaccine information and uh, you can click on the vaccine clinics. You've got a list there of all the vaccine clinics that are coming up this week, uh, Tuesday. Uh, they're going to be in Covalo, Wednesday, Willits and the fairgrounds. And also the top link there shows any pharmacies that are also offering COVID-19 vaccines. So check your local pharmacy. You might be able to get that one sooner. That's, Pretty much that's all I've got. All of them, right? <laughs> Pretty much all of them. Yeah. So if wherever you get your medications filled, check that link and see if you can get a vaccine too. Great. All right. Well, we're going to open up the phone lines. Uh, the number here in the studio is 707-895-2448. This is your chance to uh, give a call to the people who are working on Mendocino County's pandemic response. We have Dr. Andy Corrin, who, as you well know, is Mendocino County's public health officer. And we have Kirk Ford, who is the assistant manager of the Department Operations Center, both of whom are very hard at work and have been for a year and a half now uh, to make sure that Mendocino County can properly, powerfully and effectively respond to this pandemic. I got questions, too, but we have a caller and we want to prioritize uh, the calls. So let's go ahead and take our first call. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. Thanks for calling. Hi. Um, OK, I just have uh, my question is. um is it up to me as an employer then to make the decision on if I want my employees to continue to wear masks or not, regardless of being vaccinated or not? Because I do have an employee that is the only one that is not vaccinated and, um, and then the rest of them are. And I really don't want any problems caused in either direction. So I'm just wondering if it is still okay for me to enforce all of them to wear masks until something changes. Um, thank you. And I'll take my answer off there. Thanks. So that's a great question. And unfortunately, I don't have a uh, locked tight answer <laughs> because um, she should you know, talk to a lawyer about that. She does not, in, in the, uh, before these rules were passed, if there was one person who was not vaccinated, uh, all of the employees had to be wearing masks and be protected. That is no longer the case. But does it work the other way? Does she have the ability to do that? You know, an employer or a, a manager of, a, um, of an enterprise can say, Everyone in this building needs to wear a mask, and that's true for anybody coming in. Uh, for the employees, I would say I would agree with that. It's still probably uh, a condition of employment, which an employer could set up uh, as long as it's not discriminatory. But again, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't want to stick my neck out or her neck out um, and give the wrong information. 
Well, it doesn't it just bring up about a million questions, though, about um, if you can't, I mean, how can you require one person who's not vaccinated to wear a mask? And how can you make sure that people are truly vaccinated and are telling the truth? And how, like, businesses can still require people who come in from the public to, to mask, correct? Yes. Yes, they can. And they can ask for proof of vaccination and proof of negative testing also. Um, And I believe that setting up rules that are consistent for all of the employees as a a condition of employment does make sense. And it does make sense to try and protect everybody in the building, all your employees. Um, But again, I don't want to... I don't want to overstep my my knowledge here and 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 make, give a clear answer that I'm not mm-hmm. so clear on. And of course, you said that the Cal OSHA new guidelines or whatever they're called just came out last night. So everybody's pouring over them and trying to figure out exactly what that means for employers and employees. So yesterday during the day, it would have been very clear if there's one person who's you know who's uh, got to wear a mask, then everybody's got to wear. You know, if, if there's one person who's not vaccinated or vulnerable, everyone has to wear a mask. But that's not that true now. Mm-hmm. Well, it does seem like it shifts a lot of this onto the employers at this point to kind of sort through it, talk to lawyers, figure out what, what's right for their own businesses instead of being able to point to rules from the state, whatever, that they're trying to enforce. Right. You certainly can't prevent anyone from wearing a mask who wants to wear a mask. That's part of both the um, CDPH and the Cal OSHA rules. Um, so yes, it, it does. It does put more of the responsibility on individuals and businesses in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember that all these industry-wide uh, guidances were very unusual. For public health, even up to the California Department of Public Health level. And it was very uncomfortable uh, for people to have to enforce these industry-wide um, uh, ad- advisories, guidances, rules, regulations. Uh, it's not something that we liked. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, there was a lot of pushback from the community. But also remember that 30%, let's see, yeah, 30% of our health uh, of our public health uh, people left their jobs this year because of the stress. Right, right. All right, well, uh, we do have another call. Caller, hang tight for a second while I just remind people this is the Friday Q&A with Dr. Andy Corin. We also have Kirk Ford on the line who works at the Department Operations Center for the county. Uh, and w- the phone lines are open for you to call in and ask your questions about COVID-19 uh, and about the county's response. And the number here in the studio on KZYX is 895-2448. That's 707-895-2448. And I'm Alicia Bales here live in the studio. Hey, caller, you are live on the air. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, can you describe the use of uh, ivermectin in India to bring down the uh, as a treatment and and compare it with uh, the efficacy of remdesivir, please? Um, you know, ivermectin is a research drug now because there's been such a request for that information. Um, but my understanding is that in India, it didn't do a whole lot of good. 
and that there's a lot of cynicism about whether it would do very much good here in the United States or anywhere. So it's got to be researched. It's not FDA approved for use in general. It's FDA approved now for investigational purposes. Okay. Thank you. You know, and the, the other thing to keep in mind is the side effects of ivermectin are very significant, uh, including neurologic and cardiac problems. Um, and without a significant amount of benefit known, it's that's why they have it under under investigation. All right. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thanks for the call, caller. Um, I'm curious about your kind of research into if you have any data about why people are hesitant to get the vaccines. You're talking about all of the um, the, the goodies and the incentives that, that people are, you know, at all levels that um, that people are putting in place to try to encourage it. But ha- has there been any research in Mendocino County about what it is that people are concerned about and, and what are you encountering uh, in your efforts to get up over these numbers were what did you say we're to 55 percent now which is pretty fantastic but that means there's 45 percent of eligible people in the county who just don't want to do it even with the skyrocketing numbers that we have and i do think 11 cases in a day in mendocino county is skyrocketing that especially yes. concentrated in the the inland communities as you said where there is so much availability of vaccine you can practically you know we were joking you can practically run into a, a shot when you you're going grocery shopping now and and you still have to sit down for 15 minutes but you can get vaccinated all over the place now um at any time of the day so what are you finding dr corin what's what's keeping people from doing this well there is there are a lot of rumors and uh, and uh, information many much of which is misinformation some of which is disinformation that's purposely spread around the anti-vaxxers and so on and so forth. But I think in Mendocino County, there's a lot of misinformation. So, for example, one issue is, oh, these vaccines are so new. Well, actually, the technology is, is over 20 years old, and they've developed uh, and used these mRNA vaccines uh, for other illnesses, and they plan to continue to use them. Uh, they've used them in the Ebola uh, epidemic and uh, and some others, but they were developing the technology long before COVID came around. So when COVID came around and uh, our government was finally convinced that it was a huge pandemic and a big threat, an enormous amount of money was thrown at the uh, pharmaceutical industries to make sure their productive capacity was capable. And once it was passed through the FDA, we saw this huge amount of vaccines being available. I mean, it still was scarce for the first six months, uh, but it was the fastest we've made available a vaccine to an entire population. And that has more less to do with the science of it than the industrial capability of it. So the science of it, it went through the usual. Every FDA uh, requirement was met for these three vaccines to be approved. Um, and they used the same numbers of people for their uh, for their trials as other vaccines and medicines have done. And uh, it went through all the review boards. In addition, it went through on the West Coast, uh, the West Coast Scientific Review Board, uh, just so we were very sure that the science was, was right. There was a lot of time during that, um, the end of last year, when uh, there was concern about 
uh, the FDA and other government agencies being politicized. So the California and the Western states wanted to make sure that good science was being used and, and our very capable scientists um, reviewed it on the West Coast. So it's not new, but that's a concern that a lot of people right. have. And we've heard many times, I'm going to wait until it's gone a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Well, when we look at how much good All right. it's done. We have a caller trying oh, to get sorry. in. Let's let's see if we can get them and then we'll return. Hey, caller, sure. you are live on the air. Hey, thanks. Um, Dr. Korn, could you please discuss what um, hot off the press things are happening with the variants? He said there's some new ones on the horizon, and I'm going to hang up and listen. Thanks. All right. Thanks, caller. So um, let's first start with the, the native variety. Um, at the, when the, when the uh, viruses are multiplying, they mutate and develop variations we call variants. And the different variations um, have different characteristics. So the difference from the native variety that we were seeing a year ago to the first set of variants that we saw. We saw some in um, California that was called the West Coast variant. Um, and it may have been spread a little faster, 10 or 20% faster than the um, native variety. There was also a, a variant in New York and that has kind of fallen by the wayside. The, the big ones that were a concern uh, and are still a concern uh, but they've been surpassed by others. Are the uh, vaccine or the uh, variants from the United Kingdom, the Alpha variant, and that uh, is 50% faster uh, in terms of its spread. And um, but it has okay. So that's one characteristic is is how transmissible it is. Um, another variant that was tr- that is still troublesome. Uh, there are two that uh, were first noticed in Brazil. And, uh, and now the more recent, scarier variety is from India, the Delta uh, variant. And that, so the UK variant was uh, 50% more transmissible than the uh, native variety. And the Indian variant is also 50% more uh, transmissible than the UK variant. Now, some of this information is hard to pin down so it's it's kind of difficult you need large studies and they have to be well designed uh, to figure it out the um the variant from india also seems to be more uh aggressive and causes more hospitalizations the uk variety have a little bit of that uh the concern with the um with the indian variant is that it also may be somewhat more resistant to the vaccines that we have now, it doesn't make the vaccines ineffective. It decreases what, what they're estimating now from an efficacy, if you remember, of 95, 90 to 95% effective to in the range of 80 to 95% effective. And again, these are large ranges of numbers because the science is, uh, you know, you need the right, uh, the right amount size of studies and it has to be well designed. But uh, certainly it is, they're very effective the concern is we could get the next variant that would would make our um, our vaccinations much less effective. And if we have that, we have a surge like we did uh, last year. Then the multiplication of viruses 
could generate even more variants. And it would also, of course, if it was not, if the variants made our, our vaccines ineffective, uh, those of us who have been vaccinated would be more uh, susceptible now. And so that would be a problem. I, I hope that answers the question. Yeah. And, and let me just ask a couple of things about that. One, um, you said in your presentation at the beginning of the show that uh, in order to find these variants, we need unvaccinated people to get tested. Right. And I wonder about that, about how um, unvaccinated people who maybe aren't engaging with the pandemic at all, they're just living their lives. Um, how do you reach out to unvaccinated people? Are they hesitant to get tested as well? Or um, how, how, how are you going to go about getting more unvaccinated people to, to get tested, to find those variants if, if they are in our community? And the other is that you did mention that the, the numbers of positive cases in the country and in the state are dramatically down. So when we're talking about the rise of, you know, the spread or the explosion of cases uh, that might give rise to more development of mutations and variants, we're talking about globally, right? We're talking about places where the there aren't vaccines available for people and the virus is spreading like crazy. And so we're, we're talking about once again, more proof that we're all on this planet together and that the people who uh, who maybe don't have as many resources and access to vaccines are really a top priority as well, or else we're going to continue to see these these variants develop. Right. So let me try and break that down. That was a, a, a long, long question. It was a talking question. Uh, we do want people <laughs> to test more who are not vaccinated because many cases of uh, COVID are without any symptoms at all. And so the only way we can catch and control the outbreaks is by making sure that um, we get more people tested. So if I was not clear about that, I'm sorry. The uh, positive tests are the ones that get sent um, to, for special testing called um, whole genome sequencing. And that's how we find our variants. Uh, so to control the infection and the spread in the community, we want unvaccinated people to get tested and continue testing on a routine basis. And I don't know a way we can twist people's arms behind their back that don't want to get it, but we encourage people to do that. Now, there are some people who can't get vaccinated for one reason or another. They should continue to get regularly tested, and that would also help us. Um, as far as the uh, numbers that generate these variants yes it comes from outside of the country but it also comes from within our country remember we've had four variants within our country at least two in new york and two here in california and uh, there's nothing protecting us from the variants we have from anywhere else um uh, uh mutating in fact that's one that is probably the major reason why the scientific community is getting away from using uk variant calling it the alpha variant because we associate with a with a country and that says oh well it's that country's problem it's not all it's all of our problems it's a worldwide pandemic so if it showed up first in uk it gave us a warning but it also we have uk uh the the alpha variant here the same thing with you know in india the numbers were tremendous uh and so that yielded the indian variant well where has the vax where has the infection rate been the highest the death rate the highest here at home it's the united states mm -hmm. and so this is not from other countries uh it is and still remains a very big problem in the united states i, I hope that answers all, all right. parts 
Uh, yeah, all my multiple facets of my question. Uh, let's let's bring it back home. I want to talk. We were talking about the Cal OSHA standards that came out yesterday and about how they're very fresh and uh, haven't had a chance to really get into the ins and outs of the implications of all of these rules. Like we had a caller asking about uh, whether or not she as an employer could require all of her employees to mask if just one of her employees was unvaccinated. Uh, and and we're not sure. You're not sure, actually. Um, so I wonder how you are, as public health, communicating with the business leaders and business owners in our community. Um, what's that communication like? And are you working with them to help them get through this transition into what, what is called beyond yeah. the blueprint, the post uh, tiers? And we were almost headed for a, a higher tier, too. We we got out of that by the tears all going away but um that is how we got out of it. <laughs> we were headed there um but so yeah so how are you working with them to make sure that they uh, understand and have the best uh you know grasp on on what the new rules are going to be but we have a regular meeting with the business leaders and uh, and government leaders every single week and then certain uh, sectors we've met with on a periodic basis uh, the lodging industry, when the lodging industry was subject to a lot of controls, uh, we met with them and it was uh, frequently, I think it was weekly, and then it uh, became less and less as that area opened up. So uh, as, it, as we have the need, we, we do more of it. One thing I've seen is over the past few weeks, you've been sending out pretty regular press press alerts or press releases uh, when you discover a positive case at a business and you name the business. And it's been quite different than I think before, uh, maybe a, a policy change for you at public health or, or, or not. But um, one of the kind of controversies I noticed this week was that you put out a press release about a, a restaurant in Ukiah uh, named Ellie's Mutt Hut, that there had been a positive case there. And I saw some traffic on, on social media that Ellie's said that they hadn't been consulted about whether or not that would be made public. So uh, can you talk a little bit about, about your policy toward publicizing the cases and, and, and how the businesses are reacting to it? Well, first of all, we have... Um uh, publicize the names of businesses in the past when they've been a uh, when a um, risk to the public has been clear. <clears throat> so we don't do this as a punitive measure. We do this first and foremost to protect and to alert members of the community who may have been exposed unknowingly to an infection in you know a high risk infection. So. In cases where uh, there is a server or someone like that in a restaurant that's been working for several days, um, and I'm not going to give specifics about any specific business or person, uh, but those are the conditions that we, you know, if we cannot locate those people in another way. Sometimes we find even an outbreak in a business, but we can make, you know, we can figure out who the close contacts are and notify them, you know, through phone calls through our contact investigation tracing. When it's a public uh, business and we really can't notify all those people, no one has, you know, no one knows who was in, you know, one restaurant or a bar or wherever at a time when somebody, and, and this is not a fault of the business owner and not necessarily a fault of the person who was working while they were infectious. Remember, not everybody has symptoms when they're infectious and they're infectious two days before their symptoms. 
start and they're infectious two days before their positive test comes out. So it's not through anybody's fault and we don't mean these uh, public announcements uh, to lay blame at any one uh, business or another. It's really the sole purpose is to notify the public you may have been exposed if you were in this place between these times, then please get tested and, uh, you know, watch for symptoms. Um, so, so that's the context that we're, that we're um, uh, using names in the public for, because we wouldn't be able to let the public know any other way. Mm-hmm. So there might be one person from a family who's gotten it. They don't know about it, but someone in their family may be very vulnerable. And we want to make sure that that connection is made and people have the opportunity uh, to be tested. So that you can know if you went to a a restaurant and ate somewhere at a period of time when there was somebody who was positive for COVID working there and you can get yourself and your family members tested and that. And, And we don't just, you know, say, oh, they were positive, they were there. But there's a high likelihood of transmission. Depends on where they were working and what the conditions were. We look at that, and at the end of that process, then you know we we want to make it public, uh, so the public knows and they can do something about it. Okay, so that's a that's you're going to continue doing that if you find those uh, those situations. If you find that a public facing so person who was uh, vaccinated or not, but who became uh, positive with COVID was interacting with the public, you're going to continue to put out press statements. Yeah, that's a long-standing, um, goes well beyond COVID. If there's a deadly disease in the community, COVID, tuberculosis, and we think there's a reasonable chance of transmission to people who didn't know about it, we want those people to be tested and we let them know. Again, it is really not meant to be punitive to the businesses, though I understand we really try and not do it if we can because people see a business name and, oh, I want to go there. That's not the purpose of what we do, and, uh, and, and we're very sorry, and we, we are talking with the business owners when we can and their managers. Uh, uh, we have given them an opportunity to participate uh, in, in the, and most of them, I would say all of them, have been very, very cooperative, um, uh, but even, even to the extent of putting a quote of theirs in the press release. All right. It is KZYX. I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio. This is our Friday coronavirus update with Dr. Andy Corin. It's your chance to call in and ask questions of the folks who are working to head Mendocino County's pandemic response. We realize it has been a very long time that we have been giving you these updates. It's been a year and a half now, but we are still in the pandemic. Our case numbers are actually up to the point where they were at at some of the kind of bad spots in the pandemic. We had 11 positive cases yesterday. We have 42 people in quarantine in the county, according to the latest uh, dashboard. Uh, So please do stay engaged with this and um, and keep asking your questions and and. Uh, requiring or demanding the best information that that you can have as a community the number here in the in the studio is 707-895-2448 and we do have a caller hey caller you're live on the air yes thanks for taking my call uh i'd like to address dr corn about this rule where you don't have to wear a face mask indoors if you're fully vaccinated was this a decision that was made by the CDC or medical people, or is this a political thing? Uh, and uh, I guess the way I'd like to know, 
what I'd like to know is if you yourself were 73 years old, you were fully vaccinated in the middle of March, uh, would you walk into a supermarket with no mask on? And I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. Thanks, caller. Well, first of all, that's a great question. Uh, one of the one of the things that I would say to start off with is um, beyond the blueprint means that it's our individual decisions. Before the blueprint, the government was making that decision, and so this doesn't prevent. In fact, no one can prevent someone from wearing a mask if they want to. But now the numbers of people who are already vaccinated and the risk in the community in general um, is low enough that it's felt if you're vaccinated, you can go inside and you don't need additional protection. Would I wear it? Yes, I'm going to continue to wear my mask periodically when I go inside. And it's both to be an example uh, and also a little bit of extra protection. I'm in that age group that you just mentioned. So, you know, so I do want that uh, protection. And, but I think now we're at a point where uh, the government, the health departments, I don't want to dictate to people, this is absolutely necessary for you and the rest of the community. And that's the difference between now and March. Does that answer the question? Um, yes, but that's for vaccinated people. Right. For people who are vaccinated, for people who are unvaccinated, they're still at a very high risk. Correct. Yes. And they sh- they are supposed to be indoors. They're supposed to go in with a mask. Absolutely. Um, now, the, the business owners can either say everybody in my business has to wear a mask. Or they can have a way to vet whether this person can go in without a mask because they're vaccinated or that person has to wear a mask uh, because they're not vaccinated. Or they can just say, these are the rules, and we're accepting on the honor system, whichever way you're doing it. Now, the other thing that's happening is that California is now um, developing what's called a smart health card. Uh, After months and months of saying, no, we're not going to have a uh, vaccine passport, they have developed a method uh, to let people have a digital copy of their vaccine status um, and uh, because all things digital come with lots of glitches for a while, there's a, there's a huge um, um, call center uh, to sort out your problems. <laughs> and, and hopefully uh, this will also enable people to carry their vaccine information on a printed out uh, uh, something. But that hasn't been determined yet. At this point, what's in print are the vaccine uh, 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 cards. Because so, call centers have been proven to raise everybody's quality of life. We all love call centers. Oh, yeah, we all. <laughs> yeah, if you accept the reason why they're call centers, we <laughs> love them, yes. <laughs> Let us take our next call. Okay. Hello, caller. You're live on KZYX. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know there was a live show. I was just trying to call the station. Oh, well, you I'm reached sorry. us. Do you have a question for the... <laughs> Public health officer? Well, I, only for Alicia, but I, I don't know if she's there in the office right now. Oh, it's me. I'm live on the air. Uh, call back in a bit, and I'll be off the air. I left a message on your phone, Bill, here. Okay, bye-bye. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> That's nice. Alicia, I wanted to correct you on something you said before the last call. Okay, caller, hold on. Go ahead. 
Uh, and that is, you said that there are uh, 40 people in quarantine. 42. It's actually 40 people in isolation, 42 in isolation now, 59 in quarantine. Okay. I thought so I said in isolation, but who are how many served. total? It's uh, 59 in quarantine and 42 in isolation. Uh-huh. Okay. It adds and- up to over 100 people in our community have to stay Quarantine, isolated, whichever you want to call it. And people who are in quarantine are not vaccinated because vaccinated people are no longer required to to be in quarantine when they've been exposed. So that's a whole, that is a ton of people. Yeah. Well, like you said before, 45% of our community is not vaccinated. And as you said before, the numbers we're seeing of cases is quite high. And it's only cases within the unvaccinated group. So it's, close to twice as high in that group as a as a per 100,000 population. Right. So before January, this rate would have uh, been the equivalent to 22 people a day or thereabouts uh, when, you know, back in the worst of the unvaccinated days when they were before the vaccine vaccines became available. I'm just saying, like, it's a smaller group of of people who are 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 vulnerable. Right. So you've got 11 yes. cases in, a, in less than half of the the eligible or the vulnerable people anyway you know what i'm saying there's another caller hey caller you're live on the air i have two questions one is could you talk a little bit about the digital uh vaccination result uh thing that's being uh started in our county so we can just carry it digitally instead of carrying a card that we've been vaccinated or tested and um the second thing is that I heard, I understood that one of the people that died uh, had been vaccinated, but had a lot of uh, comorbidity conditions. So I thought that if we had, we had had an experience of a vaccinated elder dying of COVID, even after she had her vaccination, is that not true? Thank you. Um. So first of all, we have not had a post-vaccine death, although some people may have, due to COVID, though some people may have had a vaccine, may have gotten ill, and then for other reasons, again, associated with the comorbidities, may have passed away. But we have, we have not had the, the um, let's see, let me take a look at that statewide, what the risk of that is. So post-vaccine cases in uh in mendocino county are i'll put it in a percentage it's 0.0625 percent what that is is six per ten thousand here in mendocino county hospitalized is four per one hundred thousand or point zero zero four percent you know you add another couple of zeros when you change the percent mm-hmm. the number so the, so, so that I think that gives a clear understanding of the risk when you are vaccinated. Uh, fully for just for illness, statewide they did some calculations, and it's eighty percent less across all, you know, across all of the data when you're vaccinated than when you're not vaccinated. So that I hope answers all that. All right. So the yeah. so the person, our, our Mendocino County resident who passed away after contracting COVID post-vaccine, didn't die of COVID. Correct. But were they included in the 50? 
the, the if total? they didn't die of COVID, we would not consider them huh. a COVID-caused death. Right. Okay. I thought, yeah. All right. Well, I'll go back and, and listen to the, a past show. There could see. be months, you know, between the two events and a complete recovery. Mm-hmm. And I think there was, there may have been some confusion because some was a false positive um, from an old, in other words, someone who didn't have um, transmissible disease at the time. So we, we look at a lot of things when we look at the lab tests. It's part of interpreting. That's, you know, it's, it's not just cookbook to forget this stuff. Um, and you have to interpret it. And, and the interpretation has to make some sense from the point of view, in this case, of prevention or understanding of disease as well as for, you know, caring for people who have these diseases. All right, so she had other, a, yeah, another sorry. question um, about the... The other question the was the card. digital record. Yep. Um, so let me... Uh, I did write down the call center phone. And, There's also a uh, website available. The website. Yeah, I did. Thanks. So what I have, check it for me. Uh, as I say it, Kirk, it's my vaccine record, all one word, M-Y-V-A-C-C-I-N-E-R-E-C-O-R-D dot C-D-P-H dot C-A dot gov. That's a URL. That's, That's an yep. address. Did I get that right? Thanks. That's right. That's the one. And there's an FAQ there and all kinds of good stuff. Okay. And so you go there and you should find out more information. Have your name date of birth, and the phone or email that you gave when you initially signed up to get your vaccine, because that's how they locate you, and they locate your record. And the helpline to telephone call is 833-422-55. Did I get that right, Kurt? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the, the right one. That's what I'm looking at. Good. All right. So that's as you've got me tapped out. That's what I know of right now. All right. I've got eight three three four two two five five. It seems like there's not quite enough numbers. Now let me in that say it again. Number. Let okay. me say it again. Eight three three four two two. Then four two five five. Four two five five. That's the same number as my turn. Uh, if it is, it's got me fooled. Okay, be. I'm not sure right now if we're helping clarify anything for people. So, what you What you can also do when you go on and actually put your information in there, um, if you if you have difficulty getting to the website, that's a, a different story. But once you get to the website, um, if you just kind of follow through, you put your name, uh, your date of birth, and then choose cell phone or email, and then you, they'll want to select a PIN code because they don't want other people to get your information. But you can put a PIN code in there, check a little box and hit submit. And then if um, once that happens, they'll take you to another page that uh, gives you scenarios of, hey, did you get it? Did it work? Or did you not get it? Did it not work? Or are you unfamiliar with your results? Uh, or, or do you need help looking at the QR code that is generated? Um, there's a whole host of uh, things on the website after you've hit submit that can kind of help clarify any mm -hmm. questions that people might have. So there, there's a next page that, that helps. Okay. I don't know how we have those two call centers uh, the same number, but I got them from very different places. Well, I wonder if they're just they're centralizing it so that you can ask questions about both, which would Maybe, be pretty the, smart. The, smart, the yeah. smart Health Card is, I think, a different company that the state is consigning. So it's confusing to me. Like I said, 
it's, I just learned about this, so I'm not the expert. Yeah. Okay. Well, and uh, we will be back next week with more information about the county's response. And I'm sure that all of this will be much clearer, hopefully. Hopefully. We'll be more clear. And it's not, none of this is mandated. People don't have to do this stuff. This is being developed by the state to kind of streamline as we open back up so that, you know, just, they're just trying things to see how to get around some of these issues of, you know, the honor system or how, you know, how to differentiate between vaccinated and unvaccinated, how people can make the most informed health uh, safety choices for themselves as they start to move around in the world more. Uh, we do have about 90 seconds left. So I want to kick it back to you, Dr. Corin, and ask you to just uh, wrap up things you want to leave people with for the weekend and, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. Well, this Father's Day coming up this weekend, I'm told by my family, be sure you're careful with uh, any reunions you may have. Uh, if you're vaccinated, have a lot of fun. If you're not vaccinated, be sure you're wearing masks indoors or outdoors if you're with other unvaccinated people. Uh, but plan on getting your vaccines as soon as you possibly can. That's really the prevention right now, the way to spend a good summer, have fun, go to places you want to, use transportation easily. Um, it's, uh, how you can, uh, travel and, um, and then again, if you are feeling symptoms, don't travel, don't go to work, get over your symptoms, get tested. And, uh, hopefully we'll come out the other end of this thing. We'll all be happy and have less burdensome regulations. We are. We're, we're trying to get out the other end of this thing as diligently and safely as, as everybody can. I want to thank you again for continuing to prioritize making sure Mendocino County residents are informed and also have access to you. I think that's incredibly important, and I'm, I'm grateful to you for continuing to do that. And respect Here at KZYX, uh, on the air with Dr. Andy Corin, Mendocino County Public Health Officer, and Kirk Ford, who is the Assistant Manager of the DOC, the Department Operations Center. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXMZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.